All right. Good evening. It's good to be here in church tonight. It, uh, I love this church, and I was talking with a few brethren last night about how, how many churches are there out there right now where uh, people uh, attend every service the way we have people attend here. I mean, the pastor's out of town, a bingo game's on tonight, and we got a packed house. And praise God, you know, there's not many churches like this anymore, and so I'm, I'm privileged to be a part of Bible Baptist Church. Um, turn with me tonight to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, we're going to start off by just reading the first 15 verses of Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ." For in him dwelleth all fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, <clears throat> buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And now the verse I want to uh, focus in on tonight is there in verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Tonight we're going to be talking about being spoiled by philosophy. Before we do that, though, the, the, this letter uh, by the Apostle Paul to the Colossians, uh, the really the... Um, key theme of this letter is really the preeminence of Jesus Christ. We can see it all throughout there. We saw it in the text that we just read. But let's start first just looking at some of those scriptures uh, that shows this. Uh, start first in chapter 1. Look what it says there starting in verse 15. It says, "Who of Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him 
and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. In Jesus Christ, all fullness dwells. He is the firstborn from the, from the dead. And if it confuses you when it says there in verse 15, the firstborn of every creature, and, and might thinking that Jesus was created. No, he's the creator. Uh, it's referring to the fact that he was the first begotten of the dead. He was the first to be risen from the dead into a glorified body. Uh, that's why he's the firstborn of every creature, so that even in resurrection, he would have the preeminence. And, and so he is the uh, firstborn of every creature, it says here. Uh, all things were created by him, and for him, and not only were they created by him, for him, but they consist because by him. And so that clearly shows the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to our text in chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, For in him dwelleth all fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So in Jesus, all fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, and we are complete in him. That means Jesus Christ plus nothing else, right? Uh, there's nothing else needed of, to, uh, for us to uh, secure our salvation. It's not Jesus plus your baptism. It's not Jesus plus your works. It's not Jesus plus uh, some other God. It's in him we are complete. Uh, he has the preeminence. Uh, that's chapter 2. And then chapter 3, verse 11 Maybe one of the key verses uh, of this whole book. Uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And Pastor Wally likes to say that all the time. If you make a habit of underlining something, there's something underlined. Christ is, in, is all and in all. Uh, so clearly this book is about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, with that being the, the theme here, then the Apostle Paul is writing to these Colossian believers who he hasn't seen, uh, but uh, uh, knows of their faith. And even though he's absent from them in body, he's with them in spirit. And he wants to encourage them uh, that, look, they're complete in Jesus Christ. Uh, look, you don't need anything other than him. Your faith in him is enough. Now, now stay the course. Uh, stay the course in your faith. And then he wants to warn them of those that would try to entice them away uh, from where they started in Christ, which was by faith. Entice them with their words. Entice them with their philosophies. Um, and so we see, though, that these Corinth the Colossian believers, I keep wanting to say Corinthians, Colossian believers, look, they started in the faith. Every person starts their journey in Jesus Christ by faith because he has the preeminence because we are complete in him, because in him all fullness uh, dwells, uh, we cannot come to God other than by faith. Uh, because there's no works we can offer Jesus, there's nothing else out there uh, to reconcile us back to God. Uh, we must come to him in faith. Uh, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so he points to their faith here. Uh, go with me uh, in the, uh, to verse uh, 6. He says, As ye have therefore received 
Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So how did they receive him? In verse 7, rooted and built up him and established in the faith. Look, they were established, uh, they received him in faith. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. That's where they were started in faith. That's where they were established. And so he's saying he wants them to continue in that faith. And again, uh, now he's rewarding them of something that is directly opposite to faith. Beware of philosophy. Uh, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Uh, philosophy is just basically, that word, if you break it down, it just means uh, to love wisdom. Right? But this isn't the wisdom that comes from God. This is the wisdom of man. The philosophy is just, if, to boil it down in a simple uh, definition, is just the wisdom of men. It's just things that you can know by your own logic, by your own reasoning, by the things in the world uh, that are seen, uh, that are tangible. Uh, and in many ways, actually, philosophy is the exact opposite of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, faith is not seen. The evidence of faith is faith itself. Uh, You know, philosophy is the exact opposite of that. Philosophy is just man and his own wisdom and the things that he can comprehend by himself, grasp himself, reason by his own logic, and see uh, with his own eyes. And so he's saying, I'm going to warn you not to be spoiled by people who want to take you away from how you started in Christ. In faith... Believing, trusting in Jesus Christ and spoil you through philosophy and trying to get big in your britches and think that you can just, with your own smarts and reason, logic your way through things, right? And so he's saying, look, I'm, I'm warning you of this. And so that gets me to the first point tonight. And that's, with this in mind, the difference between knowing and believing, the difference between knowing and believing. Because there are these corruptors out there and these people who just want to approach things by philosophy and not by faith, uh, there's many people who will not get saved because instead of believing, they want to know first. They want to, have, they want to be able to comprehend it, wrap their head around it, understand it, uh, be able to see it with their eyes and, and, and have it as, as fact before they're going to take that step and believe. And there's a difference between uh, knowing and believing because you'll never know a, a, in order to believe. You first have to believe and then you'll know. Uh, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. Many people will not be saved because of this. Many people will not be saved because, hey, you know what? I'm just going to read the whole Bible myself first. I'm going to read all these other religious books. I'm going to compare them, and, and, and I'm going to compare that with my own personal experiences and the things in the world, and then I'm going to make an informed decision about this. You're never going to get saved that way, right. ever, because you first got to believe before you're going to know that it's the truth. Um, in 1 John 5, 13, it says, These things... Have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God? You see, you gotta, he's written, writing these things to people who've already believed so that they may know. Because uh, you've got to believe first before you know. Uh, I was saved when I was six years old. 
and I can stand before you right now and tell you I know for sure that I'm going to heaven. You know, when I go to somebody's door and knock on this and ask them, hey, do you know for sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? Well, do you? Yes, I do. I know that for sure because I've believed. And, and when you believe, then you know. How do we know that? Well, the Bible says in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Uh, one of the main reasons why we, how we can know is by the Spirit of God that lives in us. That's, but we don't get born again and we don't get the Spirit of God dwelling in us until we first take that step and believe. we got to believe first. And then the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And this is what the Word of God says. Uh, let's, we're here in 1 John. Let's look at a couple other scriptures that say the same thing that Romans just said. That the Spirit is what bears witness and helps us to know that we are saved. Uh, 1 John, we're in 1 John 5. How about 1 John 4? 1 John 4, 12 says, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. Uh, let's go to another one, First uh, John 3, 24. 1 John 3, 24 says, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelt in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. You see, that's how we know. That's how I can confidently say, look, when I was a six-year-old boy, and I knew that I was a sinner, and I was convicted and scared that I was going to go to hell because I heard the gospel preached from the time that I can remember. I, I was uh, blessed to grow up in a home where I had two parents that were saved that brought us to church every, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I had a grandpa that was a preacher and a faithful grandma who served the Lord. And so I, I heard these things from early time. I knew I was going to go to hell, I, or I was scared of going to hell. Um, but I didn't know for sure or quite understand for sure that I didn't know that I would be saved or have eternal life by Jesus. Uh, my grandma preached it to me, and I just had to believe it. Uh, you know, I didn't know that for sure. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't die. I, I just had to believe and put my trust and in, in, in faith in Jesus. And then once I did, well, now I know. And now I know because I've been born again. I have the Spirit of God that lives in me, and I know for sure. Amen. All right? Let me uh, try to illustrate this, and I don't know. I'm going to try not to knock anything over, okay? Let's just pretend that this is another chair, okay? Let's say that th this is the first time that I've come into Bible Baptist Church, okay? And I'm looking for a seat, and our rows are a little closer together than what they are, okay? And so I can mentally assent to the fact that this is a chair. I know that this is a chair and, and what this chair is designed for. Right? This chair is designed to bear weight, to hold me when I go and sit down. All right? I know that. But mentally assenting to that fact doesn't mean that I've put my faith in this chair yet. Because until I decide to plop my carcass on that thing, uh, then I've put my faith and trust that it's going to hold me. Right? Now, if there's another chair in the front row, it, in the row, we'll pretend this is another chair, and I, I hold on to this chair and slowly lower myself down like... Uh, just in case that that thing's not going to hold me, am I really believing and trusting that this chair is going to hold me? No. And, and, you know, see, that's a problem with a lot of people in, in the word believe, 
right? A lot of people misunderstand the word believe and think it's just assenting to the facts, right? The devil knows that Jesus died on the cross and that he, he rose again, but it's not assenting to those facts uh, that's going to save you. Just like it's not assenting to the fact that this is a chair that's designed to hold me means that I'm actually believing and trusting in it, right? And so if you say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to hold on to my baptism, but I'm going to hold on to my works just in case. I'm going to hold on to maybe uh, I'm a Hindu and I'm just going to collect a whole bunch of other gods just in case. Well, then you're not really trusting Jesus Christ. You're holding on to the chair in front of you. It's not until you just, hey, I'm going to trust that this is going to hold me. And I sit down. And now that it's hold me, guess what I know? Now I know. Now I know that's an imperfect illustration because, you know, we, we, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we don't immediately die and now, okay, now I'm in heaven. But when we, when we do put our faith and take that step and we sit in that seat, then we're born again. Then we have the Spirit of God that lives inside us. Then we know. And, and that's why we have to understand this difference between knowing and believing. That's why somebody will never get saved by philosophy. Uh, you're never going to know. You have to believe first. Then you'll know. And so he's saying, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy. And so people can be spoiled from believing on the Lord Jesus Christ when they're trying to approach him by philosophy or when someone's trying to win them by philosophy. And, and that's the next point is that, look, we can be uh, spoiled in our witness through philosophy. We can be spoiled in our witness through philosophy. Trying to witness to somebody by philosophy instead of the way that God has told us to, instead of the way that Jesus instructed us to, we're going to be spoiled by that philosophy. You can't get anybody saved that way. Um, we shouldn't use philosophy to cater to those who just won't believe, who want philosophy. We don't play uh, the game by their rules. We pray it by the rules that Jesus has given to us. Uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. You see, you don't know God by your own wisdom. It says, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, uh, the world by wisdom does not know God. You can't know God by philosophy. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, we must preach to them the word of God, and they have to believe. You know, we have to believe too as God's witnesses that, look, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Um, we don't need these fancy logical arguments. We have the Spirit of God, and we have the Word of God. If that's not enough, and the power of the Word of God is not enough to get somebody saved, uh, what are you doing, right? That we need to believe ourselves as witnesses that that's enough, and it is. And I'll tell you what, I knocked doors a whole year when I first started 
uh, and didn't see one person get saved because I didn't fully grasp this. Because I thought it was what I knew, and I thought it was how fancy of an argument I could make and just beat my head up against the wall. And it wasn't until I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the simple Romans road. I'm just going to trust the word of God. I'm going to pray. And guess what happened? It was way easier, and people started getting saved. Uh, Because I got out of the way, and I let God do the work. And we see here uh, the Apostle Paul... You know, there were people in his day, they wanted, philo- they wanted signs and philosophy, right? The Jews sought after a sign. Uh, the, the Greeks, they, they wanted wisdom. They wanted that philosophy. Did he give it to them? No. No. He said, we preach Christ crucified. You know, that's what the Apostle Paul said there in chapter 2. Look what he says. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, when we don't use our wisdom, guess who gets the glory? God does. Right? When we're just out there to try to make a fancy argument and uh, you know, just make ourselves sound smart, we're just trying to bring ourselves glory. No, we are just a vessel. We are just preaching the word, and God gives the increase. And so the Apostle Paul said, look, Jews are seeking after a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. He didn't give them him. He didn't play the rules by their game. Uh, he witnessed the way Jesus told him to. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you know what? Jesus did the same thing. You know, the Jews in his day wanted to see a sign, even though he, this always baffles me, there was, he gave him lots of signs, <laughs> but they wanted to see a sign, right? He said, oh, Moses brought manna from heaven, what are you going to give us, right? He said, you're not getting a sign. He said, you're not going to get any sign but the prophet Jonas, and as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the heart of man be, or the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth right? The sign that they got was the same thing that uh, Paul was preaching, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what you get. And that's what, the way we need to approach our witness is, look, we need to have faith in the, in the Holy Spirit. We need to have faith in the words of God. And you know what? This is why I think a lot of people failed, Christians fail to be witnesses. It's because they're spoiled by philosophy, uh, because so many Christians are out there, well, I just don't know enough to be, a, to be effective witness. So I'll let, leave that to the pastors and the people who, who know the word of God better. By the way, if that's an excuse, then just get in your Bible a little bit more. But still, you don't have to know everything in the Bible. If you're saved, you know how you got saved. Uh, what verse got you saved? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Was it John 3.16? Was it Romans 6.23? Uh, which one was it? Just use that verse. Preach that verse. Uh, you know how you got saved. You don't have to know everything. Uh, that's what I, I think keeps a lot of people is they're spoiled by philosophy. They think, well, I'm not an eloquent speaker. Well, I don't know as much Bible as I should. Well, I, you know, what if somebody asks me a hard question? I don't know. You know, you're being spoiled by philosophy because that's not how anybody gets saved. They get saved by faith, not by philosophy. You don't have to know all that stuff. You just got to know, determine to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And everybody that's saved here should know that. And that's exactly why I don't like things like apologetics or creation science for a witnessing tool. I'm not saying I don't like creation science. There's not a place for it. Uh, 
but I, I don't think it's a good evangelistic tool uh, because that's all we're doing is we're taking philosophy. We're just taking tangible things that we can see to try to prove the Word of God is true. The Word of God itself proves it's true. Amen. You know, faith proves that it's true. Uh, we don't need to show people uh, fossil records and, and all this. All that stuff's fascinating. I, I, I love how as our science is catching up with the Bible more and more. It's great to see that as a Christian, but nobody's getting saved that way. Right. Look, it's easy to disprove, very easy to disprove evolution. Amen. Uh, but you're not going to be able to prove creation. I, I know there's a lot of silence there. It requires faith again folks. Again, God's left us with a lot of evidence, look, so that we're without excuse, as it says in Romans 1. But it also says in Hebrews eleven three that through faith, we understand that the world were framed by the word of God, right? Through faith, we understand those things. See, you can easily disprove evolution because that's just another belief as well. Uh, but you're not going to be able to 100% prove creation to somebody. They have to believe it. Uh, and even if they do uh, just believe that God is the creator, they still, that's not going to save them. They have to believe in the name of Jesus. They got to believe in Jesus, the son of God. Okay. And so, uh, again, that's just us playing the rules by people who want philosophy and want signs instead of trusting the Lord and doing it the way he told us to do. You know, it says in, in Romans 3, for what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. Okay? We don't try to invent some, oh, well, they're not believing. They want, they want you know, signs. They want philosophy. Uh, they've got all these, uh, these fancy arguments. What are we going to do? Uh, we got to come up with a new way, a new way to witness. I always hate when you hear these guys, new exciting way to witness to somebody. And if you're saved... Well, you didn't get saved by your new exciting way. What's wrong with the way that you got saved, right? <laughs> it's like the whole way still works just fine because the same God, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and he said he, he chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so we can be corrupted in our witness uh, uh, through this. And, you know, when we, uh, it, it really takes the burden off of us in witnessing too. It makes witnessing uh, less scary, more enjoyable, when we understand we don't have to argue with people. We don't have to know it. We just have to give them the word of God in the spirit, in love, in charity. We just, we, God helps us to love people we don't know. And, and when we speak to their heart with, with the Holy Spirit and a heart and just simply give them the gospel, look, people can get saved. You know, it takes the burden off of us. It puts it on the Lord and he's well able to take it, Right? And it'll help us to avoid arguments, right? And avoid disputes. Um, you know, the, the Bible in Proverbs says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. But then it's, it's a little confusing because in the next verse it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. You know, there are a lot of people who just, they, they want to know God by philosophy that are going to ask you a lot, of, a lot of foolish questions. A lot of dumb questions to try to trip you up. Because uh, what I've found is most people that ask you such questions, they're not sincere and wanting to know the truth. They're just trying to fight against the truth. And so you're, you don't answer a fool in his folly. And you say, well, then it says answer. So how do you know the difference? 
Well, I, again, I think we have to rely upon the Holy Spirit of God, and it, it, it depends upon the listener right. and how humble they are and if they're just trying to drag you into an argument because God doesn't want us to strive when our witness. We don't have to argue because, again, we let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. And so if your answering is turning into striving, well, then you answer not a fool. Uh, go with me to First Timothy 2. But again, if we're corrupted by philosophy and our witness, uh, we may end up corrupting our witness by just going around and talking philosophically to people and fighting all the time. I've done plenty of that as well, too. It doesn't work. You end up, you know what you end up doing? You end up just taking all the time that you had that you could have been going to somebody who would actually listen to what you say. You spend like half an hour, 45 minutes, babbling back and forth and fighting with somebody who really doesn't want to listen anyway, when you could have just avoided their foolish question and went on to somebody that did want to listen. Um, but look what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 23. I'm sorry, did I say 1 Timothy? I meant 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, it says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Again, uh, we can be spoiled by philosophy through these people, and there's plenty of them, right? It's doesn't cease every time I go out uh, to knock doors. There's always one guy who wants to drag you into some philosophical argument and, and give you all kinds of foolish and unlearned questions to try to trip you up. And, and it's not our job just to sit there and answer all of them uh, because then you, you end up sounding like a fool like him and, and we, defy, we defy what God told us to do to avoid foolish and unlearned questions because they're trying to get you to play by their rules. Uh, they want wisdom. They don't want to take, believe it. And so uh, a good example of some of this, like Jehovah's Witnesses are a great example of that, right? Uh, most of the time, especially if they've been there one for long enough, they, that's what they do. They study to try to give you questions to trip you up on things that they know you believe, uh, like on the deity of Jesus Christ. Um, a brother Joe is telling me uh, recently about a, a Muslim man that he's been trying to witness to, they, that they know this, some of the same things, like, oh, your God died? Well, how, how, if you say Jesus is God, well, how does your God die, right? A explain that to me, you know? And they, they, they don't want a scripture, you know, you could easily just give them the uh, scripture, hey, 1 John three sixteen. hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Look, that verse says God died. He laid down his life. Um, look, we, we, if they don't want to hear the word of God, they're not going to understand that. that. That person does not have the spirit of God inside of them. And if they won't hear the word of God and believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he died and rose again, uh, you, you're not going to believe if you explained it to them your own wisdom. And look, you could spend a lot of time trying to philosophically explain that to them, but they can like it, lump it, or bump it. They got to believe it. Okay, they've got to grab hold of it and they've got to believe it. 
Uh, and if they won't, you, you just waste your time just sitting there trying to explain that to somebody who doesn't have the Spirit of God living in them. So we can be spoiled, again, by philosophy in our witness. And lastly, uh, we can be spoiled by philosophy from walking in faith. Uh, he, remember, that he can encourage those Colossian believers to uh, continue in their faith, walking in faith as they had received Jesus Christ. And we can be corrupted by philosophy through uh, continuing our walk in faith. Actually, go back with me to 1 John 5.13 again. 1 John 5.13. You see, faith in Christ doesn't stop after we get born again. Right? We have to walk in faith. We have to continue to live by faith. Uh, I, that's why I think this verse ends the way it does. It says in verse 13 again, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, you could look at that two ways. He, he maybe ended that last part because, look, you could still read some of these things if you're, as a lost person, and they'd be written so that you could, could believe. But again, he's writing to save people. He, he addressed that verse to them that already believe, that you may know. He said, and that you may believe, because believing doesn't stop after you're born again. Uh, a good example of that, let's just keep reading the next verse. He says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. You see, even after we're born again, we still have to have faith. We have to have faith when we pray and ask God for things. That Have faith that he's going to give us those things. Faith doesn't stop. Uh, we have to continue walking in that faith. And philosophy can take us away as Christians from living by faith. Uh, we can start thinking we get a little bit of knowledge. And like the Bible says, knowledge puffeth up. Uh, we can start thinking that we can just think our way out of things instead of having to rely upon God and just trust Him in faith. Uh, it, it still requires faith. Faith still pleases God even after we're saved. And so we have to walk in faith, and philosophy can corrupt that, uh, especially if we allow the philosophers of our day in our ear uh, to get our attention more than the Word of God does. And so instead of filtering our life and, and making the decisions and choices and things that we do in life through the Word of God, uh, we, we just make decisions based on, you know, maybe what we've seen or maybe what the culture is doing. What everybody else is, hey, we're, we're the only one not, not doing this. Uh, so, so, but the Word of God says you're supposed to do that, right? As straight is the gate, narrow is the way. There's going to be few people that are going to be taking the path of faith, but that is the path that we're supposed to walk as Christians, and philosophy will spoil you from that fat path because broad is the way to destruction and many are going that way. And so when you're following the culture, you're following the crowd, when you're following the philosophy of the day, well, that book's just an archaic. That's how people used to do it, right? No, God's ways are, are, are always good. 
doesn't matter what our culture is doing. God didn't change his mind about marriage. God didn't change his mind about divorce. God doesn't change his mind about homosexuality. God doesn't change his mind about abortion. God doesn't change his mind about any of these things. I don't care what your stinking scenario or your circumstance that you're going to throw. I love these stinking political ads. They try to throw these very, like when it comes to abortion, they try to find these minute uh, instances like somebody being, being raped, a 10-year-old, I think they debunked that and said that that wasn't even true. But anyway, uh, you know, well, at least in the say, uh, you shouldn't ever force a woman, you know, who's been raped to keep the child of her rapist. When, has anybody ever been around people who've been through scenarios like that? You know, I think the statistics actually bear that the women who uh, actually choose to keep the baby are much happier and they much longer lives and, and have much lower rates of suicide than the women who actually decide to abort them. Right. And I met such a woman, uh, a client that I work with, who had a child as a result of, of being uh, raped. And she was a God-fearing woman and decided to keep that baby. And he was with her still in her old age, helping her, taking care of her. She couldn't imagine her life without her son. She thanks God and praises him uh, for her son. And, and, and you see, that's what happens when we use our own philosophy and think, well, how could I, you know, that's just going to remind me of this. Instead of, you know, God would never want me to kill a baby. And, and not seeing that God can take something tragic and terrible like that and he can turn it to a blessing for you. And that's what he did for my client. He took something terrible that happened to her. Uh, and because she feared God and trusted him instead of the philosophy that says kill the baby, uh, he blessed her for it. And she loves her son. You see, but you can be spoiled by philosophy and walking in faith and, and just go with the, the way of the world. And, and beware. You can be spoiled by that. And you can be spoiled by that by who you're allowing to put in your ear. You know, again, because of the events of our day, because of the politics of our day, there's a lot of people that we put in our ear that we think are on our team, but they're not. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, but people's political beliefs doesn't mean that they're on the same team as we are. Right. You know, there's a lot of people that we champion in our world today because they stand against the feminist, because they stand uh, against abortion, because they vote uh, the same way that we might vote and think, hey, these guys are on our side, and so we allow these people to have our ear, and, and a lot of them aren't on our side. Right. Let me give you a few examples. How about Jordan Peterson? Right. I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but he got famous because he was a psychologist at some university in Canada, and he was uh, tired of the woke garbage. Uh, he stood up against uh, feminism and got a big name for himself, and even as of late, he's been starting to say things about Jesus, but if you listen to the guy long enough, He's approaching the Bible and he's approaching Christ by philosophy. It's just another philosophical book to him. And at the end of the day, all it boils down for him is just another way of just living a morally pure life. If there is salvation, it's by his works. Um, but yet many Christians eat up what this guy has to say. I don't know how anybody can stand to listen to him because he just babbles. His psycho babble, his, his philosophical, I can't listen to him for very long. Um, Jordan Peterson, uh, Joe Rogan. A lot of people like Joe Rogan. I like watching the fights, his commentary, stuff like that. But he's, he's got probably the most popular podcast in all the world right now. Most, a lot of people listen to him. And 
Again, he's, a, he's against a lot of this woke stuff. Uh, a lot of people, Christians, like listening because he, he, uh, uh, he was really against some of the things during COVID. Uh, but yet, this guy's a self-proclaiming atheist. That guy's not on our team. You know, a fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. I don't want to listen to a fool. Uh, I don't care how smart he sounds on the world's terms. To God, he's a fool. Um, here's another one. Uh, ben Shapiro. Man, Ben Shapiro, that's a sharp-tongued guy. You know, I used to like getting on there. Uh, he obliterate, Ben Shapiro obliterates this feminist. He obliterate, that guy's able to reduce some of these liberals to like nothing. But this guy is a Christ-rejecting Jew. Uh, he believes that there's a Messiah, and he adamantly fights that Christ is not that Messiah. Uh, I heard him in many interviews with Christians, and he said that Jesus was just a Jew that revolted against the Jewish government and died because of it. That's what he thinks about it. That's blasphemy. Uh, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Uh, he's an enemy of the gospel. He's not on our team. Okay? You have to believe that Jesus is the Christ to be on our team. None of these guys do. But yet they have the ears of a lot of Christians. And just because there's some things we agree with on, how many of the things are you being corrupted by the philosophies that these men espouse? Are you being corrupted away from faith? Right. Beware. You think, ah, oh, I'm too strong for that. No, beware. Yeah. Now, the Paul, Apostle Paul is warning here, these Colossian believers, hey, these men have enticing words. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy. And so we need to beware of also. We need to beware that, look, we have to believe. You know, uh, you believe, then you know. We can't be spoiled through philosophy in our witness and we can't be spoiled through philosophy in our walk. And so by faith, we can, we can overcome all these things. So I'm going to turn the service over to Brother Joe.